and how good it is to experience the fact that he inhabits the praises of his people. If you didn't sense his presence this evening, I, I, I don't know about you. If you didn't sense the sweet spirit of the Lord in this place, uh, I'm going to pray for you. Because I certainly sense the presence of the Lord and how good it is to be invited into his presence. Amen. It is good to be back behind the pulpit. Hadn't been here for a couple weeks and it is good to see you back into the house of the Lord. Tonight, the title of my message is Salty or Stale. And tonight I want to bring you a word from Matthew chapter 5, which is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But before we get to this word... Let's go ahead and ask the Lord one more time to just be with us and anoint our time together. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence that is in this place, God. And we thank you that you uh, came before us even before we got here. God, you began to orchestrate this evening. You put a word in my heart, Father God. You put a desire within your people, Lord, to come into your house and to gather in your presence. We thank you that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. So I thank you, Father God, that you're with us. And now I just pray, Father God, for your power, for your anointing, for your spirit to rest upon me, God. I don't want to struggle and tarry and take time on my own. I just confess my need for you. And I confess uh, the need that your people have as well, the need to have ears to hear and hearts to receive, God. So I pray that you would come against any hindering spirit, that you would come against the distractions of this week or the cares of this day, Lord, that we might receive with gladness the word that will come forth this evening. We just thank you, Father God, once again for your presence. We thank you for the word that's about to come forth and pray that you would allow us to receive it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all of people said, Amen. A few weeks ago, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, I concluded a series on the Beatitudes, which was also in Matthew chapter 5, where, if you recall, Jesus preached his first recorded sermon to a multitude of people and to his disciples as well. It's when Jesus went up onto a mountain, and after he was set, the Bible says his disciples came to him, and he opened up his mouth, and he taught them, the Bible says. And he taught them far more than the Beatitudes that we had looked at last time we did a series. He taught them far more than 12 verses that we focused on uh, over a number of weeks. He taught them a host of other lessons. If you read Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and his Sermon on the Mount, you'll you'll find a host of other lessons that he taught the people as well. Lessons that each and every one of us should apply to our lives on a regular basis. Amen. Because the word of God tells me that we are to be doers of the lessons that we learn and not just hearers only. Amen. Because if all we do is learn a lesson and don't apply what we learn, then we're deceiving ourselves, the Bible says. So I hope that we come into the house of God and in the presence of God to apply what we learn. I pray that that is your heart this evening. Because God wants to teach us a lesson tonight. And one of the lessons that we will look at tonight uh, is... is how to be salty. It's this salty or stale. But before we actually look at Matthew chapter 5, I want to look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and the last word of Jesus to his disciples. I want to look at the last words that he spoke to his disciples and to us before he went to be with the Father. And those words were simply this, go into all the world 
and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. In Jesus' closing comments to his disciples, he reminds them, church, of why he called them in the first place. Because how many of you know it's good to be reminded now and then of what our Christian responsibilities and duties are? The Bible says it's good to be stirred up by way of remembrance. It's good for us to, to remember from where we came and where we are now. It's good for us to be reminded on uh, from time to time what our Christian duties are and our Christian obligations and responsibilities are amen it's good to it's good to be reminded that we once were lost but now we're found we're blind but now we're see it's good to be reminded now and then that we were once wandering out there in darkness and tasting of the things of this world until someone who was salty came into our lives with a salty gospel And led us to Jesus Christ. It's good to be reminded of those things from time to time. And this is what Jesus is trying to do with the disciples, church, as he ascends to the Father. He takes them back three years and reminds them of their initial calling. He reminds them of who they were to be and what they were to do after he left, which was to be fishers of men and to preach the gospel to everyone everywhere. It was to go into the uttermost parts of the world and to spread salt. This is what Jesus told them on more than one occasion, but it's what he reminded them as he was ascending into the heavens, church. And he's reminding us as well. What you and I have to understand is that what he called the the disciples to do, he called us to do. What he called the disciples to be, he called us to be as well. You see, the reality is he wants us to be fishers of men. He wants us to be salt and He wants us to be light. He wants us to preach the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere, church. He wants us to carry the cross of Jesus Christ into the highways and the byways of life. He wants us to carry the cross and the the gospel of Jesus Christ into the workplace and into our neighborhood and into the restaurant and into the cafeteria and into wherever it is that our footsteps take us. He wants us to take the, the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ along the way. This is, this is the, the, the first, the middle, and the last call that Christ has placed upon the disciples' lives and placed upon our lives as well. And yet this seems to be one of the most difficult and overlooked duties and responsibilities of our Christian faith. It's called evangelism. It's called carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. It's called preaching the gospel. It's called carrying the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and a dying world. It is the ultimate call Christ has placed upon our lives. And yet for so many of us, it's the last thing we desire to do. For so many of us, it's a call we have yet to pick up. For so many of us, church, it is a gospel that we have failed to share. For so many of us, we have yet to shod our feet with the gospel of Jesus Christ and carry it anywhere, let alone to the uttermost parts of the world or to the uttermost parts of the earth. For so many of us, church, we have yet to get up and go, like Jesus said. You see, the reality is you can't share the gospel until you get up out of your comfort zone and go. 
Jesus said, go into all the earth. He didn't say sit in the house of God and take in the word of God week after week. He said, go into all the earth and share the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, if the news is good enough for you, it should be good enough for the world. If it was good enough to change your life and change your soul and transform you, you were, it should be good enough to carry out into the uttermost parts of the world. And this is what Jesus is reminding the disciples as he goes up into the Father. Don't forget what I've called you to be. Don't forget what I've called you to do. I've called you to be fishers of men, to go preach the gospel to everyone, everywhere. And yet we struggle with it, church. For so many of us, we think this is the duty of the individual that stands behind the pulpit. But I want us to understand that Christ called each and every one of us to go. Christ called each and every one of us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ called each and every one of us to be the salt of the earth and to be witnesses to this world. Remember, the first thing Jesus spoke to his first disciples was this. He said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The first thing he said to his first disciples was, come, follow me, and I will make you witnesses to this world. Follow me, and my will shall be done in your life. Follow me, Jesus said. Don't follow this world. Follow me, Jesus said. Don't follow the heathen. Don't follow the flesh. Don't follow Hollywood. Don't follow the famous figures of a, of a carnal culture. Don't follow the, the rules and the regulations and, uh, of, this, uh, of this world. Don't follow the, the lust of the eyes and the, the lust of the flesh and, and the pride of life. Don't follow false teachings. Follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you fishers of men. You see, what I want you to understand and what Jesus wanted the disciples to understand is that there's only one individual that can make you a fisher of men. There's only one individual that can transform your life. There's only one individual that can make you a new creation. There's only one individual that can take you out of darkness and put you into His glorious light. There's only one individual that can make you salt and make you light. There's only one individual that can make you into something useful for the kingdom of God, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why Jesus said, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. You see, I believe with all of my heart that one of the greatest reasons the gospel isn't being spread across this earth is because we're following the wrong people. We're following a corrupt culture. We're following carnal creatures. We're following pop stars and we're following hip hop stars and we're, we're following sports stars and we're following Hollywood stars and, and the reality is a lot of us are fo- following fallen stars as well. We cup, we, we keep up with their every move on Twitter and keep up with their every move on Facebook. We're following the things and the people of this world and we wonder why we're not salty. We wonder why evangelism isn't pouring out of our soul because we're following the wrong people. Jesus said the only way you'll be salt is if you follow me. He said the only way you'll be light is if you follow me. The only way you'll be a witness to this world if you're willing to follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, church. 
Follow me and I will show you your purpose in life. Follow me and my will shall be done in your life. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want God's will to be done in my life. And according to the Word of God, the only way His will will ever be done in my life is if I'm willing to follow Him. If I turn my eyes from the people of this world and turn my back on the culture of this world, the only way that I can be salt, the only way that I can be a witness to this world and a fisher of men is if I'm willing to follow Jesus Christ. It's what He was teaching the disciples. And it's what he's teaching us as well. But how many of you know until we follow Christ, his will can't be done in our life. Until we're willing to follow Christ, Christ's will can't be done in our life. Until we follow Christ, we will have no purpose in life. Until we follow Christ, we will have no spiritual direction in life. We'll wander about. We'll have no spiritual aim. We'll have no spiritual revelation to guide us through life. Listen, if you want revelation, if you're tired of going round about in circles, if you can't make heads from tails, if you can't make left from right, I think you're following the wrong person. You see, because when we follow Jesus, His will shall be done in our life. His purpose will be accomplished in our life, church. Until we follow Christ, like I said, we'll have no direction because the Bible makes it clear. Jesus himself said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And and the only way to the Father is through me. If you want to get to the Father, follow Jesus Christ. If you want to have an impact on this world, follow Jesus Christ. If you want to have an impact in your workplace, follow Jesus Christ. If if you want to have an impact in, in your family... And over your finances, if you ever want to have an impact in ministry, church, follow Jesus Christ. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will fulfill my purpose in your life. Until we follow Christ, we'll have no impact upon this world. And we cannot do the will of the Father, which is to be fishers of men and to preach the gospel to everyone everywhere. You see, before we even get into Matthew chapter 5, we discover that upon the the disciples' initial calling, upon their first conversation with Jesus Christ, He outlines their purpose in life, which was to be fishers of men. Please understand, God's purpose for His disciples wasn't for them to be fishers of fish. It wasn't for them to be tent makers. It wasn't for them to be tax collectors. They were already those things. His plan wasn't to make them attorneys or doctors or dietitians. His plan was to make them fishers of men. His plan was to make them witnesses to the world. His plan was to make them savor of souls and to make them the salt of the earth. That was his plan. That was his purpose for their life, church. His plan was to make them witnesses to the world who would preach, like I said, the gospel to everyone everywhere. Remember, God said, I know the plan I have for you. And his plan was to make them. His plan was to make us fishers of men. His plan was to make them and us salt and light in the midst of a dying and a decaying world. That was his plan then, and it's still his plan today. It's to make you and I fishers of men. It's to make you and I an impact on this this world that is dying and 
going to hell, church. But clearly understand that God's plan, which is God's will. How many of you know God's plan is God's will? It can't be accomplished in our lives until we're willing to lay down our nets, just like the disciples did, and then follow him. You see, the truth is, there comes a time and place in every one of our lives when we, like the disciples, will have to decide if we're going to answer Christ's call or not. There comes a time and place in every one of our lives where we're going to have to decide if we're going to lay down our nets and follow him or continue walking in our own ways instead. There there, there comes a point and a time in every one of our lives, church, where we're going to have to decide if we're going to lay down the pride and lay down our ego and lay down our own will or keep doing what is right in our own eyes instead. There comes a time and a place in all of our lives when we will have to decide like the disciples did if being about the Father's business is more important than being about my own business. The Father's business was all about saving souls. The Father's business was all about spreading salt upon a a dying and a decaying world. The Father's business was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the Father's business. I believe Jesus made it very clear What he wanted these men to be. I believe he made it clear what he wanted these men to do. And that was to be fishers of men and to go share the gospel. It was to go salt the earth. Listen, it was the first call. It was the last call. And it was the intermediate call Jesus put upon the disciples' life. The first thing he called them to was to be fishers of men. The last thing he called them to do before he went to be with the Father was to go and preach the gospel. And somewhere in between, he, he, he speaks these words in Matthew five thirteen, which were towards the middle of his ministry. And he says unto them, you are the salt of the earth. He speaks the call over their life when he calls them into ministry. Halfway along, he reminds them of that call. He reminds them of their purpose. He reminds them. And and before he goes to be with the Father, he speaks his call and his will upon their life once again. You see, I want you to understand, you can't get away from the call if you call yourself a Christian. I want you to understand that you can't get away from this call. If you call yourself a son or a daughter of the Most High God, it's the first call, the last call, and the intermediate call upon our lives. And we can't forget that, church. But we have, unfortunately. Like I said, we've, we've left it to other individuals. We've left it to the pulpit. We've left it to the TV evangelist because he can preach all across the globe. But he can't reach into your workplace. He can't reach into your carpool. He can't reach into your marriage. He can't reach into your neighborhood. That's why Jesus said, I I need you. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. Please grasp what he said here. He said, you who call yourselves Christians are the salt of the earth. You who are my followers are the salt of the earth. You, my disciples, you who have heard my voice, you who have been brought out of darkness into the glorious light, you are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. Please understand, no one else can be the salt of the earth except for the body of Jesus Christ. 
No one else can be the salt of the earth except those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. No one else can salt this earth with the saltiness of the Father and the saltiness of the Word of God except the children of the living God. Those who call themselves Christians, church. No one else can salt this earth except you and me who are a part of the body of Christ. Please don't expect Hollywood to do your job. Please don't wait for another movie to be made so everybody can watch it. Please don't wait for the pastor to hold a revival one week out of the year. Please don't wait for for some carnal creature to carry the good news of Jesus Christ into the workplace. They won't do it, church. Please don't wait for anyone else to answer the call that Christ has laid upon your door. He said, you, if there was no one else under the, the sound of his voice, he would have still said, you are the salt of the earth. If there wasn't a multitude, if there wasn't a crowd, if my brother Willie was the only one there, Jesus would have said, Willie, you are the salt of the earth. Yvonne, you are the salt of the earth. And you are the salt of the earth. Daryl, you are the salt of the earth. If you were the only one in this house today, I would be preaching to you and telling you, you are the salt of the earth. You. You see, the whole world was changed by 12 men who understood what Jesus was saying. They took personal responsibility of the call that he laid before their feet. And they picked it up and they carried it to a lost and a dying world. And yet for many of us, that call is still laying there. For many of us, when we go out into this world, we leave it at home. For so many of us, we, we leave it in the church pew. Oh, oh, we worship and we jump and we dance and we clap and we sing. And we make all kinds of fuss for the Lord in the house of God. But then we leave Him sitting there when we walk out the door. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. I've called you to be fishers of men. Please understand what Jesus is trying to teach them, church. You are the ones that are to go out into the highways and the byways. You are to be my witnesses. Remember Romans 10:14 says, "How can they know him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone tell them unless someone is willing to in my words get up and go?" How will this world ever Hear the good news. Unless someone who calls themselves a Christian is willing to get up and go tell them. Unless they're willing to get up and go into the highways and the byways and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, the reality is we cannot be salty until we lay down our nets. We cannot be salty until we follow him. I'm going to say this twice because I want you to get it. We cannot be salty until doing what God asks us to do becomes more important than what we are doing when he asks. You understand what I'm saying? We cannot be salty until what Jesus asks us to do becomes more important than whatever it is we're doing when he asks. And he will ask at the most inconvenient times. 
He will ask when your hands are full, just like the disciples were. He'll ask when you're all wrapped up in the cares and the concerns of this life, just to test your resolve, just to test how committed, just to test how willing you really are. He's not going to wait till you're fat and comfortable and got no responsibilities. He'll call you in the middle of a mess. He'll call you when you least expect it. Did it with the disciples and he'll do it with us, church. Listen, Jesus said, follow me. And right then, the men had to make a decision. And so do we. Right then, they had to decide what was more important, their nets or God's. Their will or God's. Their plans or God's. Their pleasures or God's. Right then, they had to decide. And the reality is there will come a point in time in each one of our lives where right then we have to make a decision. Right then, God will call and he'll wait for us to decide. Because the reality is, listen, we cannot be fishers of men until we become followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot be fishers of men until we're willing to lay down our nets, our nets, in order to do his will. That's what it takes to be fishers of men. That's what it takes to be salt. That's what it takes to be witnesses to this world. That's what it takes to salt this earth, church. It takes laying down our nets. And following him. Listen, I don't know what your nets are today. I don't know. Your net might be fear. Your net might be pride. Your net might be arrogance. Your net might be mammon. Your net might be material items. Your net might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or some unequally yoked relationship. I don't know what your net is. It might be a secret vice. It might be pornography. It might be some sort of addiction. It might be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. I don't know what your net is. The only thing that I know is that until you're willing to lay it down, until you're willing to separate yourself from it, until you're willing to lay it aside, until His will becomes more important than our will, the Bible says we're not worthy to follow. All I know is that until we're willing to lay down our nets, we can't be salt and we can't be a witness to this world. You can't witness to this world while your hands are all tangled up in the, in the nets of this world, in the cares and the concerns of this world, church. Please understand that. Those aren't my words. Those are Jesus' words. The reality is until we lay down our nets, God's will cannot be accomplished in our lives. Remember, like I already alluded to, Jesus called the disciples when their hands were full. Jesus called the disciples when they were occupied with the cares of their world. He, he called the disciples when they were about their own business, church, when they were earning a living, when they were paying bills, when they were struggling to put food on the table, when they were hassling with their employees or their employers. He, he called them, church, when their time was limited. Please understand that. He called them when it was inconvenient in our sight. And he'll do the same with you and he'll do the same with me. Please understand Christ will call you in the middle of a million-dollar deal. Christ will call you when your hands are full of worldly fortune, like he did with the rich man who asked, How shall I be saved? That's when he called him. 
When his hands were filled with worldly fortune, he'll call you in the midst of your sorrow, like he did with the man that said, I'll follow you after I bury my dead father. But Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. You see, he'll call us in an inconvenient time. He'll call you in the middle of your sorrow. He'll call you in the middle of your mess. He'll call you in the middle of your heartache because there's something more important than your mess. There's something more important than your heartache. There's something more important than your sorrow, than your worldly wealth and worldly fortune. And it's the souls that are going to hell. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Please understand, He'll call us when it hurts. He'll call you in the middle of your fears like he did with Gideon while he was hiding in a cave from his enemies. He'll call you in the middle of an important business deal like he did with the man whose hands were full dealing with an inheritance that he had received from out of town. Remember the story and his, his remark to Jesus was that. I've got a lot of business going on, Jesus. I, I'm working overtime. I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta be, I'm doing two jobs at one time, church. My schedule is busy, Jesus. I just received an inheritance and I, I gotta take care of some business in another land, but I'll follow you when I come back. Jesus said, no. He said, follow me. You see, and the reality is when Jesus speaks those words into our life, right then we've gotta make a decision. Right then, we have to decide if following Jesus is more important than the thing we're doing when He called. This is what you and I need to understand. He'll, he'll lay the call of the kingdom in front of your feet while you're walking in your own ways, just like He did with Saul, who He turned into Paul. Please understand that. Saul laid down his nets, and because he did... God made him Paul. He laid down his nets and Jesus made him Paul, the apostle. His life was transformed. His life was changed. Jesus, God, made him into something else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, God can't make you into diddly squat unless you're willing to lay down your nets. God can't make you into anything holy and anything righteous and anything clean and anything pure and anything powerful and anything anointed unless you're willing to say, not my will, but thy will be done. This is what you have to understand. This, this is, we can't be salty unless we're willing to lay down our nets. Listen, if you walk through your whole life carrying the, the, the nets of this world, you can't be salty. You'll be nothing but stale. I got this title, strangely enough, I got this title because the other day my stomach wasn't feeling too well and I wanted a salty cracker. So I looked through our cupboards and I found a box of some nice expensive crackers all wrapped up, and I thought, well, this will just be great, because I had had something sweet, and I, ate, I hate ending with sweet taste in my mouth. So I wanted something salty. And I went into the cupboard, and I opened up the box, and there seemed to be a pack of crackers that were not open yet. So I broke it open, I put it in my mouth, and pff, I spit it right back out. 
It tasted horrible. It wasn't salty. It wasn't what I was looking for. It was stale. And, the, and, and, and that, as soon as that happened, I, I went to bed and I knew that, that God wanted a, me to preach a sermon this week. And I remembered that. And this is really how I got the title of that message, Salty or Stale. You see, the reality is that cracker did me absolutely no good. Because it was stale. It didn't satisfy. It didn't do anything for me because it was stale. It didn't accomplish the purpose for which it was created. And the reality is, unless you're salty, God can't accomplish anything in your life either. You, he can't accomplish the purpose for which you were created. He can't accomplish the purpose for which you were called. And it was to be salt. It was to be fishers of men was be witnesses to this world. So here's what I want you to understand. Jesus will call you at the most inconvenient time. And unless we're willing to lay down our nets, no matter when it is and where it is, we cannot be salt. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you into something that you're not. Follow me and I will transform your life like I transformed Saul's and I made him a fisher of men. Saul was a persecutor of men. Saul was a destroyer of men. Saul was an imprisoner of men. There was nothing about Saul that reflected the kingdom of God, but something happened in his life. A moment when Jesus revealed himself to him, and he was willing to lay down his nets, church. And something fell from his eyes, the Bible says, and he was transformed and made new. Listen. Something has to fall from your life. Something has to fall from my life if I truly want to be salt and if I want to be fisher of men. But the reality is, so often we cling to these things. We hold on to these things. And we wonder why we're not effective for the kingdom of God. We wonder why our life is stale. Wonder why our marriage is stale. Wonder why our family situation is stale. We wonder why our finance or my job, my business. We wonder why all these things about my life are stale. Because we're not who God has called us to be. Whether we're following the wrong people or whatever it is, we need to be salt and we need to be light. Listen, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Because there's always a cost. There's always a cost to following Jesus Christ. There's a cost involved in being salt. There's a cost involved in being fishers of men. And we all have to be willing to lay something down. Listen, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you to shirk your earthly responsibilities and duties. I'm not telling you to bail out on your employer or on your spouse or on your family. Because God also said, if you don't work, you don't eat. God also said... If you don't provide, you're worse than an infidel. So don't think that, oh, the best way for me to be holy is just quit my job and quit my family and quit all this stuff and hang out at the church six, seven days out of the week. No, that's not what God said. Here's here's the point that I'm trying to make. I'm simply saying that whatever you do on earth, be about the Father's business as well. I'm simply telling you that wherever God plants you in life, be salt while you're there. This is what Jesus was reminding us in Matthew 5.13 when he said, You are the salt of the earth. He was saying this, You may be a fisherman, Peter, but you are still the salt of the earth. You might be a tent maker, Paul, but you are still the salt of the earth. 
You may be a nurse. You may be a teacher. You may be some sort of a technician, but you are still the salt of the earth. You might be an individual that holds some position of power and pomp and prestige. Nothing wrong with that. But you are still the salt of the earth. You might be a garbage collector. You might be a taxi driver. You might be a politician. You might be a big wig on Wall Street. I don't care who you are, and neither does Jesus. He's just simply saying that no matter who you are and where you go, I want you to be the salt of the earth. You see, the reality is, someone might have told you somewhere in your life that you're good for nothing. Someone might have told you that you're a loser, that you're a failure, that you'll never amount to anything. But I want you to know Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. You might not be a rich man, but you are the salt of the earth. You might live on this side of the track, but you are still the salt of the earth. You might not have a nice car and you might not have a, a three-piece suit, but you are still the salt of the earth. You might be unknown to a whole lot of people, but I still want you to understand that you have the highest call that could ever be placed upon your life, and that is to be fishers of men and salt of this earth. You see, listen to me. The reality is, I don't care if you're the president of the United States. If you are not the salt of the earth while you're holding that position, Jesus thinks you're a failure. The Father thinks you're a failure. Please understand, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying if you call yourself a Christian, I don't care what you do. If you're not the salt of the earth while you're doing it, God is disappointed. Because He didn't call you to be a rich man. He called you to be the salt of the earth. He called you to go into all of the earth and preach the gospel to everyone, everywhere. So the question is, are we? The question is, are we salty or are we stale? The question is, have we picked up the call that Christ has laid upon our feet to go into all the earth? The question tonight is, am I a witness to this world? The, the question could be, am I an undercover Christian? Or am I not ashamed like we sang? Am I ashamed to share the gospel in the workplace? Because I'm going to be persecuted? Listen, I taught it before, and I'm bringing this to a close. But at the close of Jesus' Beatitudes, you've already learned this if you've followed along in our lessons. At the close of his Beatitudes, this is where Jesus takes his disciples. He takes them right to this lesson about salt and, and light. And at the close of the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know what he was saying? He was saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for being salt. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for being light. He said, persecuted or blessed are those who are persecuted for being witnesses to this world. And he also said, if that happens to you, rejoice and be glad for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You see, the reality is, listen, we should expect to be persecuted if we're salty. If you're not salt, if you're not being persecuted, if you don't make sin feel a little bit uncomfortable around you, and I'm going to talk about that next week, so I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But if, if, if sin finds itself comfortable in your presence, 
you might not be salty. If the cursing flies on a regular basis in your presence, if, if the dirty jokes continue to take place in your presence, if, if ridicule and foul language and, and immoral behavior continues to take place in your presence instead of cringing, you might not be salty. You see, it, it may not happen right away. But I promise you that if you are a salty saint that has laid down his nets, sin won't be comfortable in your presence. You will have an impact in the lives of those around you. And that impact might cause some persecution. But rejoice and be glad, Jesus said. Because listen, it lets you know you're salty. It lets you know you're salty. So here's the question again. Are you salty or are you stale? Are you everything that God has called you to be and wants you to be? That's the question that we're left with tonight. And the last question that I'm going to end with is this, is that if you want to be more salty or salty at all, I want you to stand to your feet with me because, listen, I had to preach this self to myself before I preach it to you. It's very easy for preachers to think they're fulfilling God's call when they stand behind a pulpit. It's very easy for preachers to say, well, I did my job, Jesus. I just preached to a hundred people tonight. I was salty. I took my salt shaker out, Jesus. But listen, first thing I got to ask myself is when's the last time I shook it on my neighbor? When's the last time I took my salt shaker and I walked through my neighborhood and I began to shake out a little bit of Jesus? When's the last time you went into your workplace and you took out the the saltiness of your soul and you began to sprinkle it? Listen, I'm not talking about taking off the lid and dumping it on somebody. You know how that ruins a meal when you go, you sit down, you got a nice hamburger and fries in front of you, and and some fool undoes the little top on top of the salt shaker, and you pick it up and you dump it? It's ruined your whole meal. Listen, don't be that. Jesus doesn't want you to be that salt shaker with a loose lid that you just dump yourself on everybody, and they can't stand to be around you. Make sure your lid's on tight. You understand what I'm saying? Some of us can get a little too loose. Make sure your lid's on tight, but make sure the holes aren't plugged and shake a little Jesus this week. This is what it means to be salt and this is what it means to be light. It means just turning your life over. Turning your soul upside down and letting a little bit of what Jesus did in you and me pour out on someone else. Amen. And that's what you're standing for tonight. You're just saying, God, I'm going to pour out a little bit of myself this week. Amen. Father God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, that you've given us everything we need to be salt and to be light, to be witnesses to a lost and dying world. You've given us everything we need, Father God, to be fishers of men. You've called us. You've equipped us. You've empowered us. You've given us everything we need in your word. You've given us everything we need in your spirit. You've given us pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists. You've given us everything we need, church, to do the work that you've called us to do. And I pray that you, Father God, would help us tonight to lay down our nets. God, I believe that the number one 
hindrance to us being who you've called us to be is this thing called fear. And I pray that we would lay down our nets of fear tonight, Father God, and our nets of pride that worries about what people might think and worries about what people might say. And teach us to be salt. Teach us, Father God, to have a heart for the lost. Teach us, Lord God, to have a heart for those individuals that are dying and will be separated from you for all eternity if we are not salt and if we do not take the good news to everyone everywhere. Give us opportunity, God. And actually, I know you give us opportunity every single day. Help us to take advantage of those opportunities. Give us the courage, Father God, to take advantage of those opportunities. Let us be sensitive to those opportunities and pray for those opportunities to be revealed in our lives so that we can be everything that you've called us to be. So, God, as we go this evening, let us be salty and not stale. Let us add flavor to the the lives of those individuals around us. Let us demonstrate the characters and the properties of salt in our own life, which we'll learn next week. But I know that every single one of us know that salt is good for some things. And let us be those things, Father God, this week. Establish this word tonight, O God, in the soil of our soul. Let it not be snatched away. Let it not be forgotten. Stir us up and remind us of these words each and every day, God, that we can be salty and not stale. And we give you the praise and the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? <clears throat> Amen. If you have a special need, as always, I'll tarry with you, pray with you. Otherwise, go be salty and not stale. Amen.